I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Hog Hoops Live. I am your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me over at hogsports.com with Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Ellis. We've kind of hit that downswing on the Razorback roller coaster again after a, a pair of tough losses, but... Don't let the vibes drop too far because we've been down this road before and it is March, people. The best month of the year for a college basketball fan in Arkansas is about to be playing some very, very important basketball. We're going to try to make sense of that Tennessee game. We're going to preview this weekend's matchup against Kentucky and take a look at how things are shaping up for next week's SEC tournament and March Madness. It's going to be a big show today. Let's go ahead and get started. All right. You guys know all the ways to watch and listen at this point. Just make sure if you could just throw us a like, a thumbs up, five star review. Any of those things really do help us a ton in terms of expanding our reach. We definitely do appreciate that. Also appreciate you guys tuning in. For those watching the show live, we're just a little bit earlier than normal because we do have a presser this afternoon with Anthony Black, Kamani Johnson and Eric Musselman. So I got to be ready for that one, right? Well, the ebbs and flows, man, of the season, you know, that home stretch, right? It fooled us again, didn't it? It's just, it's that old roller coaster ride. You know, we've all been on a roller coaster before, you know, you, you, you be beat up on poor Florida and, and Georgia. And we're talking, you know, kind of that slow methodical climb up the hill on the roller coaster, you know, just working your way up there, kind of stalled at the top a little bit. The suspense was building just long enough. Uh, to fall just short at Alabama, but you still feel good about everything. You're kind of looking out, you know, over the city, over the theme park, and then whoosh, right? Down the hill we go at, at Rocky Top. The Hogs kind of get pounded there at Tennessee. Man, this Arkansas team has been something else. They tease us. Man, they tease us, you know. They peek around the corner, you know. Just kind of look around the corner a little bit. Uh, they get us all excited, but they haven't fully turned that corner yet they make us doubt them though you know just long enough to, to kind of start writing them off maybe but then they come out you know the next game and they look like a final four team and they keep reeling us back in it's been wild you know it's they're, they're they've been consistently inconsistent but like i've said before that's the beauty of college basketball i mean hey it'd be fun if they were undefeated right now right but uh you know as a fan you kind of you kind of <laughs> I don't know if this is a healthy approach or not, but you kind of live and die with every game and every moment. And boy, this team has provided a lot of them. And listen, you know, nobody should be surprised. I don't, I don't think that Arkansas lost it at Tennessee Tuesday night. Uh, look, you know, this team has struggled on the road. They're, they're two and eight on the road this season. I mean, they've wrapped up the road slate. They, they kind of are who they are away from home at this point. Better on a neutral floor. I, I think that's probably a good thing for Arkansas when you, we start thinking about postseason play coming up here. 
but look, Tennessee's a really good team. They are. Uh, they're tough at home. And, and you know, this, this was a building that Arkansas has historically struggled in. So am I am, you know, surprised that Arkansas fell in this one? No, I, I actually predicted it. It's a, believe it or not, when I do these predictions over at, at Hog Sports, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I pick Arkansas to lose every once in a while. You know, I try to take off the homer glasses from time to time. Um, but I knew this was going to be a tough game for Arkansas, but I projected a three-point loss. You know, because that's kind of kind of what we've we've seen from this team. Uh, you know, in some of these games where they've really battled, uh, you know, on the road and and maybe fallen just short. So okay, fine. I did not expect Arkansas to get blown out in this one. I, I think that uh, is what surprised some people, and maybe that uh, is what worries people a little bit. Seventy-five to fifty-seven, an eighteen-point loss. That was the largest margin of defeat uh, for the Hogs this year. You know, Arkansas never led in that game. They trailed uh, for 38 minutes and 38 seconds. So it's kind of a wire-to-wire -wire win there for Tennessee. Um, I don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this because the calendar is flipped to March, right? I mean, I've, I've turned the page. Hopefully, you know, the Razorbacks have too. But, you know, we do need to talk about it. It is, it is the most relevant result right now. Um, man, the, the difference in, you know, physicality and toughness between Arkansas and Tennessee in, in this particular game really stood out to me. Uh, again, going into it, I, I knew that that was kind of Tennessee's M.O., but, I, I you know, Arkansas has played with a lot of grit and, and toughness throughout the course of the season. Um, but it didn't show up as much as, as maybe I expected. I, I think based on the postgame comments, it sounded like, you know, sounds like Muss might have felt that way, too. Uh, boy, you know, the Hogs really struggled in the paint on this road swing again, um, kind of, kind of bucks the trend of, of what we're used to. You know, Arkansas allowed 52 paint points at Alabama. And now that was kind of the trade off for, for just completely selling out to take away the three ball, getting over every screen, running them off the line. Um, you know, that, that's just kind of how it works, but still that's the most, paint points an Arkansas team is allowed in nearly a decade. So it's a lot. I know Alabama's a good team offensively, but, you know, Arkansas came into that game, uh, you know, ranked, I think, top 15, top 20 in the country in two-point percentage defense and block percentage. So they know how to protect the paint. They've proven it all year. I mean, we're to the point now where the numbers, uh, quite frankly, don't lie. I, I mean, you got a full regular season of sample size, right? And you turn around in Knoxville, and Arkansas loses the the paint points forty two to eighteen. Man, that's well, that's a lot, you know. And and I thought it was interesting. I was watching, uh, you know, Tennessee's prior game was against South Carolina. They they just blew the doors off of South Carolina. But I was listening to uh, Lamont Paris's he's South Carolina's head coach. I was listening to his press conference after the game. He was kind of talking about how Tennessee's got that that old man strength. Right. And it's so true. It, it's, it's just a little bit different. You know, they they were really pushing Arkansas around in the paint. You know, it was 12 to zero and second chance points in the first half before to, to Arkansas's credit. They really tightened up, um, you know, kind of keeping the balls off of the offensive glass there and, and limiting those second chance points in the second half. Man, but Tennessee was well, they were curling everything, um, getting in the lane, not a single made basket from the four forwards for Arkansas. We're talking about the twins. Kamani got back in there and, and, and Jalen Graham played for a minute. Not a single made basket. That's crazy. 
um, you know, Tennessee is so stingy defensively, and they, they deserve a lot of credit. I mean, they we talk about the numbers not lying. Uh, that's been the number one team on Kimpom and adjusted defensive efficiency all season. And so, so this is what they do to people, right? But still, uh, you didn't get anything out of your front court. You know, Tennessee is is uh, they're just hard to drive on. You know, Arkansas thrives on getting downhill, and, and Arkansas just really couldn't crack that shell uh, and get to the rim. And that was something that you know I asked Mus after the game about. You know, the disparity in in paint points, and obviously the physicality. Uh, you know, and the toughness of the balls played a factor there, especially for them. You know. Uh, just kind of posting up and scoring on the Razorbacks. But on the other end, uh, it was more or less about Arkansas not getting in there and getting to the rim, which is something they've been so good at. Uh, it, it was kind of wild. You know, Arkansas made eight threes in this game. They were eight of 22. That's a pretty good percentage, um, you know, over 35%. I think you take that with this team. But you had eight made threes, and then you had six layups and dunks combined. So you had more three-pointers than you had conversions at the rim. You know, based on the stat broadcast, you know, I, I know they probably don't account for, you know, those runners and floaters that come from, you know, five feet and out or whatever. So there were some other shots around the paint, but around the rim, what they classify as layups and dunks, Arkansas only had 12 attempts total for the entire game. That's very, very rare for an Arkansas team. So again, kudos to Tennessee uh, for really shutting off those driving lanes. But obviously, uh, you know, some things for Arkansas to continue to work on because there's a very good chance that when you get to the NCAA tournament, you run into a team that plays with that kind of physicality uh, and you've got to be able to play to your strengths. It was a tough one. You know, Arkansas shot 37% from the field, scored 57 points. Um you know, they, they really had turned the corner, we thought, uh, for, for three games there. Uh, you know, in the, in the Georgia and Florida games, obviously those teams aren't very good at, at this stage of the season, uh, but you saw a lot of really promising signs from Arkansas offensively, and it carried over against Alabama. I mean, Arkansas scored 83 points in that game. Um, I thought they played really well, you know, on the offensive end of the floor. Um, and Alabama's a, you know, that's a top 10 defense in the country, so that's really promising uh, which is why I hope that, you know, maybe maybe this was a one-off situation, uh, you know, for, for the Hogs in Knoxville. Your guards, you know, the backcourt was quite literally the only guys who made shots from the field. But they were also responsible for 13 of the 16 turnovers. Um, you know, and Arkansas has been doing a lot better in the turnover department. In the previous seven games, uh, they were only averaging 11 per game, and that, that's that's down quite a bit from where they were. Uh, but 16 in this one, again, credit to Tennessee for, for forcing some of those. Uh, but to have 13 from your backcourt, um, you know, that's tough. So an, an area to work on there. And, and as I do credit, you know, Tennessee's defense and must did too. But like he said, uh, there were also some self-inflicted wounds there. Uh, you know, some careless passing, decision-making, you know, those are the things that you can control. A good defense is going to is gonna force some turnovers out of you, but uh, if you can limit the mistakes that you can control, that number is probably a little bit more manageable. Speaking of things you can control, <laughs> Tennessee's defense had nothing to do with Arkansas shooting 13 of 22 from the free throw line. Uh, so they left nine free throws on the board. Uh, in a three-point loss at Alabama on Saturday and, and then, you know, struggled under 60% uh, in this game. And it's always, 
I never asked the question to Muss about free throws because I, I'm not, I'm never really sure how to phrase it. You know, like how do you get better at making free throws? And, and I know the answer. It's, I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta continue to shoot them um, and get your reps and, and build up your confidence. That way you can, you know, go in there and knock them down in, in pressured situations. But somebody did ask him and that's what he said. He was like, I don't, I mean, guys just have to keep shooting them and they, they run drills that kind of simulate, um, you know, some of the pressure that you might face in, you know, in a game situation. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough. You know, those, the question was asked in the chat, uh, by a couple people, including my wife last week, uh, you know, just talking about the importance of free throws here in these final games. But yeah, you know, when you get to this stage of the season, you're playing a lot of meaningful basketball, um, in close games. We've seen Arkansas, they've lost five games by three points or less, uh, man, free throws can really make a difference. And it's just uncharacteristic, um, you know, of an Arkansas team to struggle here. And they get to the line at a pretty high rate. I think they're nearly top 30 in the country at getting to the free throw line. Uh, but, boy, they're like 270th or something something close to that in terms of, of knocking them down consistently. So they've had games where they've been really, really good at the stripe. But over the, the full course of the season, they're under 70% as a team. Hopefully they, they heat up here. Um, you know, come tournament play. I was probably a little bit more frustrated defensively uh, with what we saw from Arkansas. You know, the Vols lost Zakai Ziegler early in that game. You hate that, man. Prayers up to him. Uh, such a fun player to watch. Scrappy, scrappy guy. He's really done a lot for him. Um, looks like it was confirmed yesterday that, that he he's going to miss the rest of the season uh, with that knee injury. You just hate to see that. Uh, but they did lose him, you know, that, that was their starting point guard. And they also didn't have another starter in the backcourt in Tyree Key. So, you know, you, you've got a Tennessee team that already kind of struggles to score consistently. They're without two of their starting guards and they, they shot 50% in this game. I thought that they literally pulled an Arkansas on Arkansas. If you remember last year, you know, the Hogs, they would start J.D. Note and it was really, you know, four kind of strong, physical uh, you know, switchable guys around him. Um, but he was really the only ball handler and, and against Tennessee, you know, they had Santiago Vescovi and a bunch of tough physical forwards and they just kept setting heavy screens and, and, you know, kept the ball moving and got it in the paint. I thought Devo played well um, on both ends of the floor. I thought he was up for the challenge. He continues to shoot it at a high level from three, um, had three steals you know, Nick struggled to, to find a rhythm in this one, three of 13 from the field, but I thought that his, his energy and intensity levels were there. Um, you know, AB and, and Ricky did some good things for Arkansas scoring wise, uh, but, but were bit by the turnover bug. AB had six turnovers, um, you know, I can't help but wonder if, you know, if Arkansas was just emotionally and, and physically drained from that Alabama game. And if maybe we saw some of the side effects of that on the short turnaround with the travel, but hey, I mean, obviously no excuses at, at this stage of the season. Everybody's going through it. Uh, the Vols were obviously dealing with some adversity too. It was a clunker. It was a clunker. Arkansas got punked a little bit there. There's no way around it. Not ideal uh, at this stage of the season, but it happened. And, and I think the thing is they don't have time to have their feelings hurt about it. Uh, and, and one of the positives about an inconsistent team is that just when you think they're finished, right, or on the downswing, we've seen it, they bounce back, right? 
it's it, it's the opposite of what we saw the other night where we thought that they were over the hump but stumbled, you know. Sometimes it just isn't your night. I think you, you usually have at least one of those throughout the course of the season where it just doesn't go according to plan. But it's important to remember that that it can always get worse, right? Insert Arkansas's next opponent for the regular season finale. That's Kentucky. It's wild how things change, you know? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, it's another prime example of the ebbs and flows of a college basketball season. You know, it was February 7th. Arkansas went to Rupp Arena, and, and they steamrolled Kentucky. 15-point win. Probably my favorite episode of, the, of, of this show all year where I got to come in here and talk about it. Um, it was as good as Arkansas looked all year. Big win for the Hogs. You know, at the, at the time, boy, the, the scrutiny for John Calipari was uh, it was at an all-time high for sure. Um, just wild how things work, you know. Fast forward to today, you know, Arkansas gets Nick back. Uh, but they've gone two and four since then. Still had been playing really well, uh, you know, over the last few. But you know they're they're limping into the weekend a little bit after that Tennessee loss. You know, it was a setback. Must said it himself. You know, they they took a couple steps back in that one. You know, Kentucky they lost their next game after that to Georgia. They were down bad, but they won four straight. Look, they had big wins at Mississippi State. Uh, they completed a sweep over Tennessee. They beat Auburn by nearly 40, just blew their doors off last weekend, climbed back into the top 25. They locked in their spot, you know, for the NCAA tournament. And then they turned around last night and got beat at home on senior night by Vanderbilt. <laughs> I mean, go figure. You know, it's it's just wild how things work. So it does set up, I think, an interesting showdown on Saturday. Um, you know, it's funny because this is the 1 p.m. CBS game. Probably because a lot of folks thought that, you know, Arkansas, Kentucky, to close the regular season, this could be a top 10 matchup, potentially, you know, for the SEC regular season title. I know I thought that could be the case, but it turns out it's not even close to that. But still, an, a really important game between two teams who are in, you know, good shape. Um, but they, they, hit, they need to hit postseason play with some momentum, you know, because both are coming off of a loss here. This does have seeding implications for the SEC tournament next week, potentially March Madness as well. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But, you know, as for the game itself, um, you know, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this now, and, and Musk will probably echo this in, this in our press conference here in a couple hours. Uh, the game at Rupp Arena last month means nothing. Right. I mean, it, 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 
it doesn't in terms of how this one's going to play out. Uh, every game has its own theme and, and identity. Arkansas has a new look, especially offensively. Uh, you know, with Nick back in the fold, Kentucky has had some different guys emerge. Uh, they may or may not have Kaysen Wallace on Saturday, who torched Arkansas last time. Just a fabulous freshman guard for them. You know, he left with an ankle injury last night. If if I saw Coach Cal's comments correctly, he said uh, that the x-ray was okay and that he wasn't big and swollen, but you just, you never know. You know, sometimes you wake up the next day and um, those things puff up on you. So we'll see what his status is. They're already without Severe Wheeler, uh, their senior point guard. So they were they were operating on their their third string guy, um, you know, against Vanderbilt. And I'm sure that that played a role in that loss. It was a two point loss to Vanderbilt um, Wednesday night. So you know these are these are obviously two, two teams that are different now than they were you know when they played less than a month ago. But there's still some familiar keys though, right? I mean. Kentucky has some players now, uh, but so much of what they do revolves around Oscar Shibway and, and his presence in the paint. That ain't going to change, right? And the Mitchell twins did a just a terrific job of shutting him down last time. I mean, what do you have, seven points and seven boards? I think it was the, the first time in a Kentucky uniform that he didn't at least have 10 in one of those categories, either points or rebounds. I thought Arkansas did a great job of, of getting him in ball screen defense and exploiting him there. Well, Oscar's been really, really good since that game. It, I don't. It, he looks like he kind of figured some things out. Um, and, and we've talked a little bit here earlier about Arkansas's recent struggles in the paint. So, you know, getting a bounce back from Makai and Mikel, absolutely critical, right? Because Arkansas can defend Kentucky in the half court, Absolutely, 100%, no questions asked. Uh, but you can't give him a ton of extra possessions and second-chance points, and that's where Shibway can get you. He had 10 offensive rebounds last night against Vanderbilt. Have to keep that dude away from the offensive glass. I think if they throw it in there to him on the block, especially with Mikel, he's so good at walling up and anticipating when that ball's going up to where he can block and alter shots. Uh, I feel good about that part of the equation. Uh, but it's you know it's it's boxing out and keeping them off the offensive glass. I think is going to be really really important. Obviously, if Wallace plays, you have to do a better job on him. He really had his way in the last game. Uh, you know, over twenty points. <clears throat> and if he doesn't play, you know, Arkansas they they have to take advantage of of what will be a, a fairly thin Kentucky backcourt, way better than they did in a similar situation Tuesday. Um, you know, against Tennessee because Vescovy was really their only ball handler. I'm not trying to take anything away from anybody else. You know, Josiah Jordan James, uh, Jemai Meshack, those guys did a, did a good job, but Vescovy was the the dude handling the rock. Um, and so that puts a lot of pressure on him. You know, and, and if Kentucky comes in here without Severe Wheeler and Cason Wallace, you know, Thierry is a nice player, but but that that's putting a lot on him, and and then some secondary guys on the wing to handle the ball. So does does Arkansas dial up the pressure? You know, are they able to force some turnovers and get some easy buckets in transition? Because we know how good this team is in the open floor, and especially at Bud Walton Arena, you start getting up and down a little bit. That's where you really really build that momentum, and and you can put a hurting on somebody. So. Got to know your shooters, right? Antonio Reeves has really been filling it up for Kentucky. Uh, C.J. Frederick is back. He's, he's getting healthy. I think he had a rib issue. So those are, those are the two shooters to be aware of. Freshman Chris Livingston is a guy. I mean, he's a, a former five-star himself. Uh, he's really been coming on, settling in, 
He had some shots last game against Arkansas, but he's had a couple of big double doubles lately. Jacob Toppin, I, I think, is kind of that X factor, the the you know as a creator at that four position. So I think you know Walsh, Ricky Council when when Arkansas goes small, uh, and and then maybe Makai if you're playing big, if you go with the Twin Towers. They just got to keep him around his average, keep him contained a little bit. He's a guy uh, that's been up and down this season, but he's capable of an explosion. All right, so so you want to keep topping under control there. Just a huge game for Arkansas. You know that they, I think they need to pick up another win against the field. Um, they just need some momentum back, you know. And and listen, picking up a fourth straight win over Kentucky, it feels like you're asking for a lot. But in my opinion, the Razorbacks should win this game. It's at Bud, Walton, uh, at Bud Walton Arena. It should be a wild environment. It's the last opportunity, um, you know, for a lot of fans to, to see this, this team and several of the players in person. You know, it's senior day, and, and that only, I guess, officially applies to Kamani Johnson because, you know, this is his last year of eligibility. Um, you know, but it could also be the end of the road here for the twins and Jalen Graham, you know, those guys are seniors, but they have that extra COVID year. So a decision to be made there. So you don't know, um, you know, I mean, nothing official, but I, I think it's, it's a fair assumption that Nick Smith and, and Anthony black will probably enter the draft. I mean, I think those guys are lottery picks, right? So, you know, likely their last game in Bud Walton arena. And then, you know, you're going to have decisions coming from other guys, Ricky, uh, you know, Jordan Walsh. So, you know, who knows? Rosters turn over every year now. Uh, so I would encourage you to get out and support these guys at home one more time because, you know, the next time you see them, uh, you know, these guys might be in NBA jerseys, a lot of them, right? I know the season hasn't hasn't gone according to plan, uh, you know, with, with the injuries and things like that, the obstacles that they face, some of the inconsistencies. But what you have to say is this team really has gutted it out, you know, through some adversity, a lot of obstacles, and, and they're still in position um, to go dancing. So I, I think that's pretty impressive. You kind of take a step back and recalibrate. Um, you got to be pretty pleased with their, where Arkansas is at. Now, boy, they, you know, if they finish one of these uh, close games that they've been in and, and struggled through, we might <laughs> feel a lot better about it. But, hey, you know, they are where they are. Um but I think they can eliminate any, you know, smidge of remaining doubt by taking down Kentucky on Saturday. I think they're in regardless. But it's a done deal for everybody if they knock off Kentucky, right? But then it's on to the SEC tournament next week. You know, we've we've kind of gotten used to that uh, that good old double buy, right? That the top four seeds get where they don't have to play at the tournament until Friday. Uh, it's not going to be the case this season. You know, the, the Hogs are going to play on Thursday. It's just a matter of, of what time and against who. Um, you know, Arkansas is 19 and, and 11 overall. I think you'd love to see him get that 20th win, on, you know, on Saturday. It would be the eighth year in a row for Musk to hit that milestone, which is which is impressive. But 8-9, and nine, you know, a game below 500 in SEC play. So heading into the final weekend, uh, that actually puts the Hogs in a in a three-way tie for eighth place with uh, with Mississippi State and Florida. So uh, when that's in the case, when when the it, if it's a two-team tie, they just go to the head-to-head. Um, but with a three-team tie, you got to consider you know the the matchups amongst the teams all together, right? The best winning percentage in the head-to-head 
amongst the teams that are tied. So when you do that between Arkansas and Mississippi State and Florida, they're all one and one. So nobody has the advantage there. So, you, okay, now you got to go down to the second tiebreaker, which is winning percentage against the top seeds in the league standings. Okay. Well, let's see. None of the three teams beat Alabama this season. That's the one seed. Move on to Texas A&M. Mississippi State went 1-0 and with A&M. Uh, the Hogs went 1-1. and and Florida went 0-1. So, so if the tournament started today, Arkansas would play as as the nine seed on Thursday. Um, that would be a noon central tip um, against Mississippi State in that 8-9 game. And the winner then would play Alabama the following day. But that's not set in stone yet. You know, Arkansas and you know, Arkansas has Kentucky this weekend. That's definitely the most difficult draw. Um, even though they're at home of any of those teams in the tie here. I mean, Mississippi State is, is at Vanderbilt, and hey, Vandy's been playing really well. Um, Florida is at home against LSU. So, you know, an Arkansas loss, uh, you know, on a Florida win, and, and the Hogs drop down to 10th there. And it just kind of create a completely different scenario, right, where you'd be looking at, you know, maybe playing a Vanderbilt or, or an Auburn in the first round and on Thursday and then getting – you know, Texas A&M on Friday. So, yeah, I mean, a lot to be decided here seeding-wise for the tournament going into the last weekend. It's wild. I mean, the scenario exists to where we could, you know, Auburn could lose again and these other teams could win and we could have a four-way tie at 9-9 nine and nine to <laughs> to kind of sort through. But it, I, I don't know. I, I think it, it feels like that 8, 9, or 10 is where Arkansas is probably going to wind up there. It's kind of wild that Arkansas might wind up with a higher NCAA tournament seed than it will SEC tournament seed. Have you thought about that? It's kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, Arkansas could be the nine seed, you know, at the SEC tournament. They might be a seven or, or something in the NCAAs. It's weird. And yes, I think Arkansas is still in, in fine shape to make the tournament, despite a couple losses here. As of March 1st, which was which was yesterday, Arkansas was they were included in all 107 projections at the bracket matrix, and and their average seed was 7.88. So that that equates to like the third eight seed on the list. So they're comfortably in. Looking at the guys who you know have a have a reputation for putting these brackets together, most all of them have Arkansas right now as an eight or nine. Even after that Tennessee loss. There's one guy I've seen out there that has the Hogs at an 11. He's been that way for a while. A uh, couple six-seed projections out there. So Arkansas is pretty solid right now. Uh, if you run over to BartTorvik.com, I mean, they've got Arkansas's tournament odds at, are 100%, literally. Not 99.9, but 100%. They've got them projected as a seven-seed. I like going to Torvik. They've got that team cast simulator. I mentioned it last week. We can kind of mess around with, you know, how different combinations of games would impact, you know, your your postseason resume. Um, so to ease your mind, I, I ran some of the numbers. You know, if Arkansas loses to Kentucky and and then Mississippi State in the SEC tournament, since that's the matchup right now, uh, they'd be 19 and 13 at that point. But Torvik, the simulator, would have them in the last four buys, which means Arkansas would still be seven or eight teams away from that cut line on the bubble, and, and they'd be projected as a 10 seed. So, 
And and listen, that Torvik's not the gospel, but it I mean it's a it's a strong algorithm. And here's the thing about conference tournaments, like unless you win them outright, the the only way for it to really matter for you a lot when it comes to seeding changes is to do your work early in the tournament. Those Saturday Sunday games, they they're usually not paying a lot of attention to unless someone's taken one of those automatic bids by by winning the whole thing. But so, you know, the, at the SEC tournament, those Thursday and Friday games are key, which I think is big for Arkansas because, um, listen, if, if you're playing, let's say Mississippi State, you know, since that's the current projection, um, you know, in the first round on Thursday, that's a quad one on a neutral floor because they're top 50 in the net. So that can help you. Obviously, if, if Arkansas advanced, you know, to Friday to play Alabama, or let's say that they were, you know, the the ten seed, and they advanced, and they played um, Texas A and M. Either one of those are quad ones. So listen, if you want to stay off that eight nine game at the NCAA tournament, go to Nashville next week and pick up a pair of quad one wins. I, I think that might do the trick for you. Jerry Palm over at at CBSSports.com he updated his bracket yesterday. He has Arkansas as a nine seed uh, playing Iowa in the first round in Birmingham. The winner would get Houston, the one seed. That'd be interesting. I'm always anxious to see what city they get sent to. Hopefully it's not Dayton, right? Because that's where those playing games happen. Birmingham, to, meh, to me, you know, I've been there. I was there for SEC Media Day earlier. I like going somewhere different, personally. I think you get a pretty good crowd there. Des Moines, I think, would be great uh, for regional travel. I've seen that as a possibility lately. Columbus, Ohio is another one I've seen. Um, you know, other places on the on the list there for that first weekend. Orlando, Sacramento, Greensboro, Denver. That would be my choice for sure. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Albany, New York up there. So, you know, some interesting places. Other matchups I've, I've seen for Arkansas recently. Um have been a lot of the same teams, you know, Rutgers, um, Illinois, Florida Atlantic, uh, Pitt, although they took a terrible loss last night, that might have dropped them a seed line, NC State's one that I've seen, even Nevada, well, that'd be fun, you know, Musk going up against his old team there. There's a pretty interesting question that was was posed on our board, um, which, which number one seed, you know, would Arkansas rather face? I think the consensus, of, you know, as of right now is, you know, Bama, Houston, Purdue, uh, and Kansas would be those one seeds. You wouldn't, you know, if, if Arkansas is an, an eight or a nine, they wouldn't get Alabama just because of the conference affiliation. They just wouldn't get that draw. Uh, personally, I would not want to see Kansas. A, a lot of people feel good about that. I don't know that I would. Uh, the defending champs, you know, a lot of experience there. I believe they've now set the record for the most quad one wins in a season. People will kill me for this, but I, th I think Bill Self is one of the, the two or three best coaches in the sport. Um, you know, so my opinion, that, that would leave Houston and Purdue. And, you know, I think Houston gets, um, you know, maybe doubted a little bit more than they should because they're not in a power conference. That changes next year, right, and they're in the Big 12. But, um, you know, they're not playing ranked teams every week, whatever. Uh, still, I mean, it hasn't stopped them from having similar success in the tournament to Arkansas, maybe a little better the last couple of years. What, have they gone Final Four and Elite Eight? I think the last couple of years, they're super. You know, under Kelvin Sampson, they're they're physical, they're athletic, they've got really good guard play, and they, and they defend you kind of like Tennessee does. 
So I don't know. I mean, no number one seed is is an easy matchup, but I'd go with Purdue. They rely really heavily on some freshman guards in, in the backcourt. I realize Arkansas does too, but I think there's certainly a difference there. The Hawks would have an advantage uh, in the guard play. The, the problem would be is how the hell would you deal with Zach Eady, right? Seven-foot-four center. He's skilled. He's going to be the national player of the year. He also doesn't foul, which is crazy for a dude that size. But, you know, Arkansas would have to find some ways to drag him out of the paint. be nice if they had Brazil for that. Um, or speed the game up. Or knock down some threes, which is becoming an, an, maybe an increasingly likely outcome the way this team's been shooting it lately. So, I don't know. You want to put the cart in front of the horse because, you you know, you just never really know, um, you know, when it comes to making the tournament. It's it's, it's not a foregone conclusion, uh, certainly. You know, it's, you'd like them to win a couple games here and, and, like I said, eliminate any doubt. But, you know, the highest ranked team in the net to ever be left out of the field was NC State a couple years ago. Uh, they were at 32. Arkansas is at 15. And there's a zero chance they even get remotely close to, to moving back towards 30. So, you know, I understand those. They kind of look at it on paper. They see a high amount of losses. Um, you know, maybe not as many of those high, high-level wins that we've had in past years. But, look, all the metrics are extremely strong. The Hawks have four wins over the field. Opportunity to pick up some more here. Um, not really any bad losses, and, and in the non-conference slate wound up being pretty good. Obviously, Maui really helped, you know, outside of Louisville. Um, you know, Oklahoma is an NIT team, but because they're in the Big 12, their net's always going to be pretty strong. That was a neutral floor win. The Baylor game on the road you know, was obviously a huge challenge. Uh, but look, 11 of the 13 teams on, on the non-conference schedule, they're in the net top 150. Um, only Louisville and North Dakota state aren't San Diego state, uh, Bradley, UNC Asheville. These are all teams that won their leagues. Fordham, South Dakota state. They both finished second in theirs in the a 10, um, and the summit. So they've got a chance to win their conference tournaments, obviously, you know, so for those wondering why that net has stayed so high for Arkansas, well, those are kind of parts of the, the reasons why there. All right, let's hop over to the chat, see what we got today. Greg Hudson says, go Hogs, go beat Kentucky. That'd be a big one. It'd be a big one, just for momentum, for confidence. And, and then obviously, uh, you know, Kentucky's moved up so far. I, I need to go back and check um, after that Vanderbilt loss, but I, I would imagine they're still in the top 30 of those net rankings. That should be a quad one for Arkansas. Joan Davidson says... Good morning from Mansfield, Missouri. A diehard Razorback fan. Good morning. Appreciate you tuning in. Mansfield, huh? Greg Hudson says, let's beat Kentucky, not ourselves. I like that idea. Yeah, some of those self-inflicted wounds, get them, you know. Those those turnovers, you know, just throwing the ball out of bounds or, you know, the missed free throws. Those are the things like that that, that irritate you a little bit as a fan. Chris Corley says, Devil's advocate here, can a great top 20 net ranking overcome a sub-500 conference record if they lose to Kentucky uh, and still and still get them into the tournament? Or would they uh, still need a couple SEC tournament wins? Um, yeah, you know, believe it or not, the, the selection committee doesn't really weigh uh, conference record that much. They really don't because they're so big on the full body of work. 
right? Um, and, and it's also important to note that the net, it's not, it's not the end all be all. It's a sorting tool. I mean, it's, it's one of, you know, six or, or so different metrics um, that that committee looks at. Um, so it, it, it plays a factor and it's usually a pretty good indicator of, of who's going to get in and who's not. Um, but neither one of those are the end all be all, but yeah, I mean, you know, ideally, yeah, you'd like to be, you know, 500 or better in, in conference play and you feel really good about it. Uh, but no, eight and 10 is not a deal breaker, um, with the computer numbers as, as high as they are for Arkansas. You would obviously still like to go win some games in the SEC tournament. The, the more that they win, the better off they are. But, um, you know, based on that that simulation earlier, which is, you know, like I said, it's not an exact science, but if Arkansas lost to Kentucky and then, say, Mississippi State in the SEC tournament, that still has them pretty safely in the field. Thomas Patrick Ryan says the Tennessee game was the worst since Vanderbilt. Bad passes, too much dribbling. Uh, Biggs did nothing on scoring or rebounds. Very disappointing. We can beat Kentucky, but not with our recent performance. Huge hog fan. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, that was a rough one. You know, they, they didn't play well. Um, yeah. And it was kind of the first time they've been just beat up on a little bit since that Vanderbilt game. Um, but I would agree, you know, that they absolutely can beat Kentucky. They, they beat them by 15 on their floor, but they're going to have to play like that. Right. And, and not like they did the other night against Tennessee. So important for him to kind of shake that one off and, and learn from it and bounce back. No doubt about it. Isaac Riley says, I hope they can pull out a dub for the last home game in Bud Walton. Woo Pig Suey, go Hogs. Uh, what are their chances of making the tournament? They're still in good shape. Still in good shape. These things fluctuate, though. Like, you know, if, if Arkansas, I don't want to put this evil on them, but if they were to lose to Kentucky, uh, you better believe I'd, I'd be hopping back on those, you know, simulators and, <laughs> and looking at all the brackets to see what changed. But, uh, no, as of now, they're, they're solidly in the field. Bobby Hobson says, uh, no excuses. Smith isn't a lottery pick. Truth hurts homers. Smith is definitely a lottery pick. <laughs> you know, the thing with him is he, he is, I thought this was a really interesting, um, view of it from Adam Finkelstein. He's our, he's our director of, of scouting, um, at 24 seven sports. And what he was saying is, um, you know, some of the things that we're seeing from Nick right now are, are kind of those early season, uh, growing pains that you expect from a freshman, but they usually happen in November, right? When you're playing the non-conference slate. Well, he, he doesn't have that luxury because of the injuries, uh, you know, and the, and the time that he's missed. So he's going through that, uh, you know, in the middle of, of the heat of the battle of, of the SEC season. Um, so that's tough. And so to me, you know, the fact that he's doing what he's doing, uh, given that part of it, it's, it's even a little bit more impressive. But yeah, no, I mean, he's he's got some things to work on. He needs to get stronger, um, you know, a little bit more explosive, more consistent with that shot, you know, work on his defense. Nobody's a finished product at, you know, at 18, 19 years old. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a lottery pick for sure. Zachary Beeler says, I don't even know what to think about this team half the time. It's two different teams. This is true. Um, hopefully you get the good version, <laughs> right? Uh, from here on out, because everything's so important once you're in March. Bobby Hobson, we got to fix your vibes, man. He says Kentucky will win big, and how does a 19-win team get into the tournament? Well, what I would say to that, 
um, is just go look at the resumes of the other teams who are on the bubble. And then you'll understand uh, because it's part of it too. It's not so much about, well, Arkansas is just having this great year, you know, so much as you look at the other teams who would have to, to pass them to move Arkansas out of the field. They ain't so hot either. That's the thing about the bubble, right? And, and so that, that would probably be a good starting point if you're looking for your, for your answer there. Don Boucher says the Kentucky game is virtually a playoff game for me. Um, Kentucky lost at home to Vanderbilt. Lose here at home to that same Kentucky team. Might as well pack it up and begin practice for next season. Um, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, they're still they're ranked in the top 25. They're going to the tournament regardless. So, um, you know, Arkansas wouldn't get dinged too heavily for that. But again, you know, to me, I just think you need to win games, right? You just win as many games as you can, stack them up. Um, but I agree. This is just one that if you are an NCAA tournament team, you should win at home. You should. It doesn't mean you absolutely have to, or it's a must or a do or die. We get to that next week. Uh, but they certainly should win this game in Fayetteville. Let's see. Robin Godwin Pelton says, seems like our fans are more pessimistic and, and negative about our team than the experts are. Maybe so. I I understand the frustration, though, right after Tuesday. I think the vibe would even be completely different, you know, if Arkansas lost another, you know, three-point game or whatever at Tennessee. But uh, I do think it was, you know, they just didn't look good in that one, right? And, and that's not what you want to see, um, you know, heading into the last game of the season. So I, I understand, you know, the frustration there. Um, everybody felt like Arkansas had really turned a corner. You got Nick back healthy. You're rolling offensively. Um, well, it just had a stinker against Tennessee. Like I said, you hope it's a one-off. Um, and, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, you know, we'll, we'll see how they look on Saturday, but I have a feeling we're going to, going to see a much more energized effort out of them. Let's see. Dustin Hoofman says, in your humble opinion, which player uh, that most that most wouldn't expect to come back might come back uh, who would benefit from another year the most? It's um, a good question. I think Jordan Walsh would benefit from another year the most, um, especially with that 2024 draft class looking pretty weak, actually. Um, so I could see that. Um, you know, I, I think it, I think it would be a good thing for both parties if it happened. We'll see. I don't I don't know where his mind's at with it. Um, that would probably be the one that that stood out the most to me. Um, who else? You know, Council. It's interesting. Um, you know, he's kind of worked his way onto some draft boards there. He's another guy that you wonder. You know, if if he really works on some things defensively and and maybe if he can improve that shot, could he shoot up again in in a draft class the following year? That's going to be down. Um, but he's also, you know, a little bit of an older guy and, and it might be one of those situations where his stock's at a point now where he just wants to go. So that'll be one that I have an eye on also. Dustin Hoofman says, did you see where sister Jean picked Kentucky to win it all? I did see that. Love sister Jean. Don't love that pick. <laughs> I guess she's got to go with somebody else because Loyola ain't making it this year. Struggling. That program has been so good, but they are struggling this year. I think they're in a new conference now, too. 
All right. Man, wow. Last regular season episode of the show. It's crazy how quickly it, it kind of flew by. Um, we're going to have live reaction and, and takeaways from, from Bud Walton Arena after this game in Kentucky, so be on the lookout for that. Again, that's 1 p.m. on CBS. Um, then we'll hop in here next week once we have the bracket and do an SEC tournament preview. It's here. March has arrived. How are we feeling? I, I feel like it's we got a split crowd right now. Some are optimistic. Some are excited. Some don't know what to think about this team. Uh, I get it, but the one thing is for sure is that we're going to find out. So thanks again to you guys always for, for tuning in, interacting with the show. Always, always appreciate you. It's been Curtis Wilkerson with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.